right side. Light this bitch up. Everybody, my name is James D. Fiore, and this is Blackball. Okay, I have one podcast under my belt after a month, and I thought, as I was saying to my guest today before we went on air here, I have been prepping for Chomsky every free moment that I have because, and this is true, I know this is true, Noam Chomsky has written more books than I have read. <laughs> it's like 230 books or something like that. It's ridiculous. So um, I wanted to make sure that this week I had people that I'm familiar with that I didn't really have to prep all that much for because they're friends of the show. Last night we had the dark arts world champion, David Wallace, on the show. And today we have friend of the show. I love this guest. He makes me feel um, both envious at his fame and thankful that I'm not semi-famous. And his name is Mr. Spencer Rice, a.k.a. Spenny. Spenny, what's up, buddy? Well, um, I want to talk to you about Chomsky uh, a little bit. I'm glad you're prepping for him. I, I would imagine he's a difficult guy to prep for with Fuck, his. Fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, it, uh, I, what I'm doing is, is because uh, it's on Earth Day and it's all about the environment. So I am just um, yeah. finding Chomsky clips about the environment. Um, yeah. I'm not really much of a book reader these days. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at excerpts of his book that he wrote with another gentleman about the environment. And I'm trying to like tie in the military industrial complex and the type of pollutants that they do, which is usually larger than a lot of developed countries. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm trying to, I I got it basically with Chomsky. This is my third time interviewing him. It's you have to just ask him questions and then let him answer and then just ask the next question. (laughs) You're you're not going back and forth with no, you know? Yeah. He, uh, he's very, uh, uh, afraid of what's happening with the environment, uh, but I'm sure he'll talk about that ad nauseum. Um, and I think we all should be, but you know, uh, he's got a lot of gravitas, right? So you have to really be, um, I don't know, like it must be really frustrating being an environmentalist and, and having that as sort of like the issue that you care about the most, because we've seen like over the last 20 years, this like decidedly like um, aggressive movement that says that climate change is a hoax. And it really has impacted. It's probably changed the minds of like 10% at least of the people out there, which is huge in economic sense when you're trying to figure out ways to fund programs that help the environment. So, and I don't know where I am on the environment, except it's like the pandemic. I am not a health expert. So I defer to health experts. And when it comes to the environment, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I I mean, I mean, we can assume that, uh, you know, from the time Al Gore did uh, An Inconvenient Truth uh, and the amount of uh, heavy-duty uh, people in that field and scientists and whatnot, uh, the numbers are staggering uh, and the news isn't good. Uh, but I, I'm like you. I, I, I'm not anywhere close to being uh, even a amateur expert on the environment. But, you know, just sometimes it's common sense, right? <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I thought that some, it, it's weird. I, I realized, um, like I've always, I've known for the last 20 years that polarization was like the big issue that, that really is making things stall and making us not get along and all that stuff. Yeah. But, it, but with the environment, I remember um, after that came out, um, Inconvenient Truth, and, and there were all these talking points. And sometimes talking points are actually legit points. And one of those talking points that I thought was legit, and I still do, but if I ever said it around certain progressives, they'd be like, oh, my God, that guy's a climate change denier. He's using that bullet point. And that bullet point is, I don't think Al Gore should fly on a private plane if he's really caring about the environment. I just don't. I just, you know, I just, I don't know why he can't fly uh, economy like Barry Sherman did. You know, like like, like people that Barry Sherman. money. Uh, he did. Look, I mean, that's, yeah, that's is somewhat hypocritical. I, I don't know if it actually is an important hypocrisy in the big picture that I don't know. 
But I, my, the basic reason why I kind of believe all this stuff, not being an expert, is because of the kinds of people that deny it. Yeah. They tend to be people I disagree with on almost everything. So, or they have some kind of economic interest or they're just, you know, stubborn uh, and, you know, the libs are, you know, Satan and all that stuff. So uh, anyways, uh, yeah, he, he, I've heard him talk uh, in some lectures uh, that I listened to on YouTube about the environment, which is not even close to what interests me about him, which is why I wanted to talk about him. But um, yeah, what, what, what interests you about him? Well, I, it started a long time ago. Um, uh, I, I, what really interests me is that his uh, his theory of linguistics, which is he's a, a linguistics professor, really. Right. So all the political stuff and the environment stuff is just like a, a hobby for him, I guess, or a activism thing. Uh, so uh, when I basically uh, what he was and I took linguistics, a course when I was in university, uh, and it made no sense to me then. And I didn't know who Noam Chomsky was at that point. It was like, uh, you were spelling out words phonetically, uh, you know, the way a New Yorker would say, uh, water <laughs> would be spelled out differently the way a Canadian would, uh, spell, uh, say water and uh, different again for United States. And it right. just to me seemed like this complete fucking masturbatory, why am I learning this? I think I needed some credit. So I took the course. So then I stumbled onto Chomsky years, years later, uh, mostly from that movie, which was Canadian. Uh, I think it was shot in uh, uh, Montreal filmmaker, uh, the manufacturer of consent. Mm -hmm. Manufacturing consent. Manufacturing consent. You're right. And, and then I started to read him and, and, and listen to him. And I don't agree with everything he says, but, uh, but what's interesting about the, the his theory on linguistics is that basically uh, what we're doing right now, talking to each other using uh, language, is so complicated uh, that uh, a child that develops these skills, even rudimentary, is unexplainable uh, because it's so complex. So I, if I got it right, I think Chomsky believes that we sort of have an inner... Uh, sort of evolutionary hard drive for language and he sort of proves that by you know uh saying that even if you go into like a jungle with a, a, a primitive tribe that the words are totally different of course maybe it's not as sophisticated but the grammar and the way they develop sentences is the same all over the world whether you're speaking the queen's english or cockney or whatever right yeah. so interesting then oh sorry yeah. go ahead no, no. But, but so that in and of itself was sort of interesting to me because I had taken linguistics and I, I didn't like it. So, OK, so then I find out this guy at a very young age redefined the discipline of linguistics, which is, you know, for a guy, I think he was in his early 20s or maybe in his teens when he, he wrote this. I think it's called generative linguistics. And uh, and then it's funny because all of his political stuff really follows the same theme of we're all the same, we all have these gifts, right? Which which immediately it makes you think that you know, you know, people that are trying to say they're better than you or better than this country's better or we're the greatest country in the world, you know, that it so that all his political uh, ideas seem to fall uh, into line with that thing that he learned about linguistics, which is that, and I really believe this is true that we're all roughly experiencing similar things as human beings on the planet, no matter where we're from or what we're doing, that, that we have much more in common than we do, uh, uh, that we have differences, uh, which I think runs counter to egomaniacs views of themselves and yes. uh, all kinds of things like that. And then just, uh, you know, his study, his media stuff, which was manufacturing consent uh, was fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, especially with what just happened with, uh, uh, Dominion and Fox News and the, you know I mean he's he's essentially been right about everything and my some of my American friends who tilt right on the spectrum can't stand him he's like the you know there's no bro code or country code right he just he tells you the the what I guess what he thinks is the unvarnished truth based on his incredible knowledge of history uh yeah. about the horrible things i mean look at crt for example you know that that's a kind of whitewashing of 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 the education system 
And, uh, you know, he would be, I, I don't know what he thinks about that, but my guess is he would think it's rather horrible and, uh, and, and it serves the purpose of uh, really whitewashing history and uh, white privilege, I guess. Well, well, actually, sorry, sorry, he, you, uh, critical race theory, is that what you mean? Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So he would be, um, so when I talked to him uh, the one time, I, I asked him questions like, uh, you know, if if uh, the Chicago 7, the, the trial, was it the Chicago yeah. 7? The Central trial, Park? The, no, the trial of the, the 60s, Chicago, Abby right, Hoffman. Yeah, the yeah. Chicago 16 or whatever the fuck it was called, yeah. Chicago 8, I can't remember, Eight, it was a number. Um, and I asked him if he thought, because he went to Fred Hampton's funeral. Okay. Um, and Fred Hampton was the Black Panther uh, chapter leader in Chicago who was gunned down in his apartment, like by police, right? By the FBI. Okay. And he, uh, and so he, he was probably one of the only white dudes that was at the funeral, right? And at the time, um, this, I guess it was 1968 or something, or 19, maybe it was 1970. I don't remember. Um, but he, uh, you know, it felt like, um, I asked him if he thought that present day activists could learn anything from activists from back then. And he said, oh, definitely. He is a generational um, example. Uh, he's an example of, of the generational kind of gap between progressives, right? Like he, he if, if you were to press him on this, and I'm sure he's talked about it before, he is not what you would consider a woke aficionado. He's not, he, he would not, he would not be. No, he. He's yeah. out in the streets uh, doing speeches and trying to change the, yeah. the culture, right? And so his, uh, so I don't think he would. Yeah, I don't think he would like critical race theory. I think uh, critical race theory. I think is, um, and I, I didn't, I didn't know we'd be talking about this all that much. But well, you can, you got to ask him because I, I, I'll bet you that he thinks it's okay. At least my, if my understanding of because it really just talks about uh, institutional racism that exists in the United States. And uh, I can't imagine he would have an issue with that, but he could because he's Noam Chomsky and he could be miles uh, above my intellect and see it for something I can't see it for. Yeah, critical race theory was supposed to be a chapter, actually. It, it, it's a piece of um, the, uh, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> the stupidest words escape my mind now. The curriculum of, of yeah. when, when you're in law school. Um, that's where critical race theory actually comes from. It's a component okay. of law school curriculum. And then what they did is they took it and they and they and I guess they uh, created a form of it and and wanted to put it in uh, and they have successfully in some places put it in the curriculum in high schools and I think it even in some elementary schools in grade seven or eight or something and uh, the, it it uh, the way that it is um, taught often by very progressive teachers is in such a way where it alienates and segregates and tribalizes classrooms. And I think that is like the, the criticism behind it. Like, And it, I, I, I frankly uh, would think that was wrong if that's the way they teach it. I mean- yeah. I don't uh, understand why they can't just teach history and just right. and, and, and say, you know, the, the Europeans <laughs> enslaved Africans. They brought them over here. United States had a culture since it began that way that fostered a sort of racism that was embedded in the cultural fabric. And we have been trying to make progress to get ourselves out of that. And you're not necessarily bad because you're white and you're certainly not worth less because you're black. And let's all try to get along. Like, I, I wish it was like that, but I, don't I, I find it hard to believe that it's not that, frankly, but uh, I, I don't know. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I it's just like, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the transgender and all that stuff. I'm very, uh, you know, live and let live kind of guy. But when it comes to something like uh, in the later ages of uh, sports, uh, mm -hmm. having uh, a biological male who's uh, trans uh, transgendered to a female, I don't think that's fair to the biological females. Now, you know, a lot of people will hate me for saying that, but but again, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know, but uh, you know, overall, if you talk to me, I'm probably unbelievably uh, pro gay and and people doing what they want i mean with that issue to me it's about doctors right to me it's like a medical thing not a political thing yeah, there uh, was a, someone made a point the other day I, I can't remember what i was watching but um it, it might have been pierce morgan <laughs> anyway, oh he, but he had a couple guests on that were he had peter tatchell on uh peter tatchell is one of the most famous gay activists out of the uk i had him on blackball twice now 
and he's uh, he's a really great guy. <clears throat> and they had a, uh, a a female athlete. She was like a sh Olympian shot putter, right? And uh, her sport in in the university level is being um, sort of, not threatened, but whatever. The the trans women are sort of taking over, uh, breaking records and all that in the shot put, which is kind of one of those sports that you would think that's definitely probably one that should be exempt from um, you know mixing biological males with biological females. But then um, Peter Tatchell made a good point. He said, why don't we, um, I, I, he's like, I wonder if there's ever going to be a time where we just separate people by weight class instead of gender. And would that work? And it's like, maybe, you know, I, I don't think so, but maybe. Because uh, you know, I don't, I mean, it's an interesting uh, idea. I, I, you know, the reality is I don't give a fuck, to be honest. Like, I'm just not into sports. <laughs> However, I'm an, I'm an empath, so I, I feel badly for, uh, you know, uh, biologically women, you know, and I'm basing this on uh, what I believe is the truth, but maybe it isn't that males are bigger and stronger, generally speaking, generally speaking. Upper body, yes. Lower yeah. body, women got us on, on like thighs and stuff. But the truth is I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm not going to march uh, for any of this stuff, you know. I'll be marching for other things if I ever march, uh, but uh, that's just where I stand on it. I just don't think sports is that important and I like sports. You just Which reminds you like me, what is what is the Maple Leafs done to Dean? I mean, this guy is. Well, well, hold on a sec. I was just gonna. I just on that. Um, okay, so Dean posted uh, a video that I thought was was interesting, for all the reasons that you might not think. But but I'm gonna put the. Uh, this is what he tweeted earlier today. Their last chance. I'm done. They're done. I'll never watch the Leafs again. They're dead for me. Oh God! No! Fuck! Fuck! I can't take this shit. Why do I fucking punish myself every fucking year? Every fucking year. If they lose this year, I'm done. I'm not going to watch hockey again. That's not enough. Right, I'm going to bed. I don't have shit. Okay. The side angle notwithstanding. Okay. I don't know. Look, look at that. I mean... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, brother! Like, like it is Dean with fifty extra pounds and a goatee, but otherwise he's drinking. It's Go, find a shot of him when he used to drink because he <laughs> he had a little more weight on him. Yeah, um, but you don't like sports, and well, you said no. You said I, I love sports. I just don't think they're important. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite Chomsky things, and I think I've said this. I don't know if it was on this show, but maybe Dean's show or one of the other podcasts I've done, where. Chomsky talks about the relative intelligence of just the what he calls Joe six pack. He goes, you know, you ask them about civics and they have no fucking clue. But talk to them about football or baseball. And they're geniuses. They they're like Einstein. right? Yeah. They know, you know, so it's just a misplaced energy, in my opinion. But we need sports. I love sports. I think he also once said it might not have been him, um, but someone... I don't want sports. I'm sorry. I got to take that back. I I. I'm a fair weather fan. I like important playoff games and this and that. Golf is the one sport that I just enjoy no matter what. I used to use golf as my napping sport. I used to just put it Great on. Great napping. It's very lulling, you know. Yeah. I didn't watch. I was one of those guys. When it comes to soccer, um, I, I only watch the World Cup. I'm one of those guys, you know. And when it comes to golf, I never watched it until Tiger Woods right. came along. Right. And I was just like, I just love seeing a black dude kick white men's butts at a white you have to go political see i i just I love, love the the genius of his golfing it's well, like I anything like else he turns out that he was not the greatest guy hopefully he's a better guy now uh in terms of uh you know uh, I, I put the kanye rule in effect it doesn't matter to me what, what they're like in real life if he can right. hit the ball really well i don't care right yeah. right um, my god if i i mean every writer every <laughs> rock star they're all degenerates in some way shape or form and uh that's fine now the worst thing you can do is get to know your hero and then realize that they're a piece of shit yeah but i can like you i can separate the, the work from the the uh you know the personal uh problems i have a friend um he's a black guy and his name's uh his name's nigel he's one of my best friends and um we actually had a talk once because among his uh his his other friends um black white whatever they had a real robust debate about whether or not, because before the Bill Cosby stuff came out, um, he watched the Cosby show with his kids. And he has like all the seasons, I don't know, DVD, whatever the fuck it is. And, and then there was a big debate around his circle of friends about whether or not he should be watching the Cosby show. I, 
that's an interesting one because because it's like not at all. If you know? I, I if you, if we're true to what we both said we believe, what's the? I mean, I get it because Woody Allen's like went probably on the top tier of my heroes, right? And I personally think that he didn't do anything, and it's I, all. I, personally, I think the same thing. If you actually read about that case, right, this is very right. suspect. Yeah. Did you read the? Uh, I think it's like a three-page letter from one of the the kids that he that Mia Noah? had. Is it Which Noah? One? I think it's Noah. The, the yeah, lady. he's a lawyer now. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty much everything I needed to hear because I kind of thought that to begin with, and and my father. And I don't want to, you know, uh, badmouth Mia Farrow. I've never met the woman. But my father dated her sister. Uh, and this was before any of this happened. Yeah. And he, when I say dated, I, when he went on a date with her. And he told me she was crackers, like crazy. Uh, yeah. So in my head, I always thought the Farrows were a little nuts. But, you know, I don't know. I don't want I, I, I think we might... But can't we might be canceled um but i don't believe in can they can't cancel you if you don't believe in canceling that's the thing it's like well, that's when we're doing our live tours i go we're uncancelable i go you know how you know because i'm in fucking sudbury <laughs> <laughs> so that does that is that an argument that you've already been canceled is that no well no i think that i think that a guy like me i'll speak for myself is uncancelable because what what are you going to take away from I mean, they've taken away my YouTube channel, so I'm on your YouTube channel, whatever yeah, this sorry, is. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, Restream. Uh, they've they've kicked us off a of television, but I can tweet and I can play live music. So I don't know. I feel like I'm uncancelable. I don't think I'm uncancelable because I represent Cryer Media, so I do have to sort of draw right. a line that's a little bit, you know, like probably a little um, less wide than what I would want, but. Like I like I don't think uh, they that people that the powers that be want me really trashing religion all that much, or at least not in a way that broad brushes every believer as some sort of nutcase or something like that, which I don't believe. Right? I think it's I I do think that it's a, there's a cultish aspect to it. I mean, let's I don't want you to get you in trouble, but you know uh, by participating in this conversation. But I had a lot more tolerance for religion, uh, sort of pre MAGA. Uh, even during the Reagan era, I was pretty tolerant of it. Uh, and Reagan was the one that brought them into politics. Hmm. But now uh, I have very little patience for it. I saw Christopher Hitchens live, which was amazing. So did I, Tony Blair. Yeah, yeah. I saw him just at a synagogue. And not that I go to synagogues. I, and I, by the way, it's all religions I, I'm not really into. He found out when he was like in his 40s, I think, that he was half Jewish. Who? Hitchens? Yeah, his mother is Jewish. I know he's bisexual, a... which that was the one that surprised me, bisexual. I don't know why. Well, he when he talked about his one, he's like, tried, and then and then I tried anal sex, and uh, <laughs> I, did, I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess, was he receiving? He, I, I, well, he was, in true Hitch fashion, he was a little ambiguous about whether he was right. bottoming or topping, so... But he just said he, he's like was he's like it didn't take I think he said <laughs> nobody uh, nobody goes after really like Bill Maher is like a, I mean I saw religious and then you just listen to Hitchens talk it's like night and day the quality of the oh the, <laughs> argument, the arguments the, 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 I have uh, I might actually maybe I'll put a bookshelf behind there because I have like all of Hitchens stuff he's literally my favorite person like like you didn't know that. As far as public into, as far as anyone, like if I, if I were to have dinner with anybody alive or dead, he's my top choice. Easily. Okay. Like his his recall, you know, he could belt back a twenty six or Johnny Walker Black and still cite like you know uh, all of these uh, famous like Tolsky, like he could read his entire bio. Oh, yeah, he's right. amazing. Yeah, and Chomsky in his own way is like that too. The oh yeah. You know, some fucking war in seventeen hundred in Albania, and he'll tell you everything you want to know about it. I I got an email. Um, so we we email each other fairly regularly. He lets me call him Gnome, which I find weird. But um, yeah. so Gnome and I um, I don't know. Have you seen the Gnome Chomsky? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the Garden Gnome. N O M E. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, he, but he threw a curveball at me yesterday because he's like, if if you uh, first of all, he when he writes emails, he writes them in like forty four point font. Because I guess he can't see that well. Okay. But then he confused me because he's like, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you can have uh, captions enabled when we have our un interview. And I'm like, Ooh. why would he ask for me for that? If he, like, that I can't so that so that he would be captioned, or you would be captioned. I don't know. Or both of you. I don't know. I, I'm assuming me. 
but it, it, but the, the the font would be small, and I don't really unless he has a gigantic screen. I'm not aware of. So does that mean his hearing is failing too? I I don't know why he. I've got that. a great. I got something to tell you, which was uh, I've written many screenplays. None of them, <laughs> zero, uh, you'll be, have you'll ever sold. You'll be a waiter in no time. Yeah. But I, I I shouldn't say that. I I did a Ninja Turtle script for money with Kenny on the live action show that was on Fox, but that's a long time ago. But I wrote a sh- a, a, a a feature film called Distraction, and it was uh, uh, the 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 really the two main characters was sort of one was sort of a a bit like Johnny Depp, and the other guy was a Noam Chomsky type. Uh, so yeah, it's like that's how into him I was that I created this, and it was a, a fictional version of him, but you know, had all of the, uh, you know, the sort of marginalization that he's, he's definitely had to deal with because of the things that he said yeah. uh, publicly. Um, anyways, I won't go into the story, but it, I thought it was terrific. I still think it's good, but I, I, you, I you know, it's just the, I might as well, you know, hit my head against the fucking toilet uh, for Hitchens, an hour. Hitchens was the one guy who, uh, like the last protest that I went to, and I was never a protest guy. I think I've only been to like, actually it wasn't the last one. The last post I went to was the G20 in 2010. Um, I, I took a bunch of pictures. It's funny. I, uh, do you remember that? The, the, the entire city was like walled off. Like they yeah, had, I they totally were, remember that. So I was wandering around where I shouldn't have been. And uh, I, I approached a bunch of cops near the convention center. And I'm like, they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just taking pictures. I'm going wherever my feet take me. And they're like, well, you can't go over there because that's our base of operations. So you're going to have to turn around and go over there. And I'm like, okay. But I walked over to Union Station and there was some random door that was unlocked. And then I walked around and then I found myself on the roof of the convention center where I took pictures of the cops. And then I went back and saw the cops again. They're like, where did you go? And I'm like, oh, I just went to the roof of your base and I took pictures of it. <laughs> there was some violence at that one, right? There was. I have. Yeah, few, I remember uh, that. Yeah, I, I have pictures. I should, I should do a show where I show these pictures. I have pictures of like the lineup of like empire stormtroopers dressed in black with their shields but there's like 50 of them right and, and it's right beside uh you know that uh spa slash cosmetics place on queen near uh john called mac yeah the side of that wall was brick and it, and the their tagline at the time uh was a horizontal thing that said total urban renewal and that was the backdrop for like the 50 cops dressed in their riot gear so <laughs> it, it was pretty interesting um, what was I going to say? Um, Hitchens was the only guy that actually made me um, take a look at my stance on the Iraq War. You remember that? He, Do he I remember the guy. war? No, or but what he his, said. What he? Well, he was because uh, well, he was a socialist before before two thousand. Right. I know, yes. Yeah. He was. He was also uh, accused of being Islamophobic, which you know I I, I hate that term because so he's I clearly think. talking about a a, a group of. Islamic radicals, not all well, of this. Well, because he hates religion, actually. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah. he was pretty like. I mean, like he he said uh, he was asked in an interview once uh, in some convention uh, thing. I think it was in London, and he's and the the host was like, I think it was Intelligence Squared. The host was like, um, Mr. Hitchens, can you tell us which religion you believe is the most dangerous right now in the world? And he <laughs> didn't hesitate. And he's like, Oh, Islam, Islam for sure. Right? Like it was. And, 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 you know, and the funny thing is, is that people really have an issue with um, with legit criticism. If it was the 1940s, let's just say, and he was asked the same question, I think he made this point. Um, he'd be like, oh, Catholicism, definitely, because it would be because they were aligned with the Nazis. Right. Like, right. You know, so right. My so dad always and, always reminded me of that. But yeah. Yeah. But anyways, his arguments for the Iraq war were, were, were like the United Nations has a doctrine or whatever that says that if you violate these three or four principles, then you leave yourself open for a legal invasion. And, and Saddam had broken all of them except for one. And he thinks that they did that. He, this is a point of disagreement between me and him, um, uh, you know, not me and him, but, you know, uh, yeah. where, where he said that Saddam was aligned with other terrorist groups. And most experts were like, Saddam would never allow terrorist groups to flourish in Iraq because he was a dictator. Like he would right. never allow that to happen. So, but um, but he was. So I, I think like Vietnam. I, it's safe to say that 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 entire war, which by the way, in my own ignorance, I supported where I was politically and being Jewish and all that, was wrong. I mean, there's no other way to say it. 
What do you mean? What does being Jewish have to do with it? Uh, Arabs, uh, you know, there's a lot of built in. And by the way, I want to oh, say you said Vietnam, though. No, no. But then I, I was talking about Iraq. Oh, okay. Both of them, both those wars were disasters, I think, morally yeah. Yeah. Uh, for uh, the United States and, and, you know, whatever. But one thing, a great thing that I learned from Noam Chomsky was I heard him talking about Israel and that how Chomsky was when Israel was created, he was there. I mean, he was there and yeah. there were two factions. One was fighting for a binational state where they shared it with the neighbors, uh, Palestine. Uh, the other was a religious state. And they landed on becoming a religious state. And that's definitely affected my views of not all Israelis, but the uh, part of Israel that I don't that I don't approve of or I don't agree with, uh, because fundamentally it's, it's based around religion, which I don't think is particularly real, uh, you know, in terms of uh, factual reality. Is, is, are, is the Jewish people, is they, is they the only people in the world where their ethnicity and their religion are fused together as one thing? Um, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I thought immediately of, of Arabs and Muslims. I thought immediately, but uh, I don't know. Good question. I, I don't know. But uh, the reality is, of course, like everything else, uh, a lot, a lot of people... <laughs> in Israel is that we're born there. Don't agree with, yeah. with a lot of the things the government are doing evidenced recently by the protests, which I think are still going on over Netanyahu's move. Uh, that, the new, the new expanded settlements. No, this is about, um, he's trying to neuter the Supreme court so that he will have more power. Is he, he still prime minister? The yeah. He became, yeah. He's prime minister. Prime minister? Really? He's in a, 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 I thought he was like arrested for fraud or was on trial. Or yeah, I know that they're saying that's, I don't know the truth here, but they're saying that's one of the reasons why he's fucking with the Supreme court oh, is because yeah. he's under, and he's also partnered with some severely right wing fucking, uh, uh, I, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, you know, and I look, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I, you know, as a Jew, I, you know, I, I look at, uh, the Orthodox Jews and I go, what the fuck, you know, dude, yeah. that, you know, I gotta be honest. Like, it's not something that I can relate to in any way, shape or form. I think it's brainwashing as most extreme religions are, you know, when it comes to children, especially Yeah. anyways, whatever. I don't understand, I, look, the, whale I don't understand the whaling wall. Like, I don't understand what they're doing there. Well, they're they praying. Can... They're praying. Oh, but, but, but what they look like that, and I'm not trying to make fun of these people, but I'm just saying, like, they look like that. You know that duck that Homer put on the keyboard that pressed the any key? That, that what, thing it that was just... like, a, yeah. it dips over? That's right. I don't understand. I've never understood the science of that. Um, I don't know, man. You know, it, again, I'm talking about Jews, but I could be talking about uh, the Mennonite or I could be talking about any, you know, anybody. Uh, I'm I'm obviously uh, what's the word for uh, someone who's not an atheist, but agnostic. No, not even that. I, I don't even mean those type of words, but I, I, I believe in human beings. Like I remember uh, Dennis Prager, who I used to listen to a lot when I lived in Los Angeles, and he's like a big right wing guy. Uh Jewish, uh, I think was, uh, went to rabbinical school. I'm not sure. And he argued, and it never made sense to me that you can't have a moral structure in the world without religion, without a God. Yeah. That's the whole Judeo Christian underpinnings of society. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it, it means that, um, when, when the new world was settled, especially they, they mostly talk about it in, in terms of North American reference. Um, that when society was developed here, it was developed on um, with the moral uh, underpinnings of a Judeo-Christian uh, philosophy, just meaning that they were basically Christians, right? That's all. The okay, but, 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 but the, what he also said, which was what offended me, was that you can't have a moral society without it, which is just, okay, yeah. I'll yeah. buy that bridge in Brooklyn too. Fuck off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just, it's absurd to me. It's weird because it served, maybe it's, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it maybe served the purpose. Mm. You're right. I, I don't have any issue with that, but you got to evolve, man. Yeah. You, you, I was, I, you know, it's funny. You said earlier that you're harder on religion now. I'm actually softer on religion now. I, I was like, 
militant. Like I would have gotten a hitch tattoo if I thought of it in 2006 or something. Um, but uh, I, I've told this story. Yeah, I got I got the Marx Brothers. <laughs> oh, well, that's almost the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> right? um, if it's the Carl Hitchens was his was Hitcho. He was the sixth Marx brother. Yeah, he was also a communist, so it could be a, the Marx bro. Like just the <laughs> right, Marx, right, yeah. right. Um, but no, but uh, I, I've told this before. I, I may have even told you before. I softened my religion, my sense of religion during the pandemic when Kobe Bryant died. Um, because he died with his daughter in that helicopter crash. Yeah. And it, I, it was really cathartic for me in a weird way because I, I just immediately, without even thinking, reflexively put myself in the position of him and what it must have felt like to hold his daughter or to try to protect her while this helicopter is going down. And it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it because I remember how I felt that day. And I was, uh, and, and I sort of fell into this weird, like, thought, not thought experiment, but I, I was just thinking about it for mulling it over for, like, a, you know, a good part of a, a couple of days. And then I, and then all of a sudden I had this weird eureka moment. And, um, and I had to, like, force myself to realize that, yeah, yeah, this is exactly how I feel. I am envious of religious people in times of grieving. I think that if, if there was a way that I could find uh, some sort of peaceful moment in the middle of grieving something so horrendous as a loved one dying, I, I would pay for it, you know, and, 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 you know, and these people, um, you know, that believe in religion, they really, really do believe that their loved one is in a better place. And I'm kind of like, how can I argue with that? You know, like, how, how can I argue with just that point? Like the rest of it, I don't really care about, but well, I think anybody could argue with it just on the basis of nobody knows. I mean, you know, you're not saying they're wrong, but you, you, but if certain, they believe I, it, that's really what matters. I, I had to clarify something here. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, if someone goes to church and is a decent human being and, and is accepting human being and actually listens to Christ's teachings, I mean, Jesus was a rabbi, let's be honest, right? He was a fucking rabbi and he was Jewish. Hmm. Uh, I have zero problem with that. The only thing I hate, and I, I hate to use the word hate, but I do, I'm becoming very hateful towards people that are uh, impinging on other people with their beliefs, uh, especially in politics, mm -hmm. uh, thoughts and prayers after the fucking, you know, the 80th, uh, mass shooting, uh, those kinds of people. So uh, it's not like I, I don't hate people that are religious. No, it's just another way of being a human being. I, I have a problem with people that believe it's the truth. But that's okay. I have problems with my wife. I have problems with lots of people, uh, you know, but uh, that you know, the kind of person I'm talking about. The, yeah. The yeah, I do. Um, Especially it, the politicians. Oh God, it drives me fucking because I don't believe any of them believe. I, I think very few of them actually believe uh, what they do. That it's just a political play. It's, they still have the, uh, the national day of prayer, the, the prayer breakfast or whatever the uh -huh. it's called in the States. Did you ever see that documentary? The family? Yes. The family, yeah, I saw oh my it. God, that's a weird movie because you know it, it, all these politicians just sort of like they, they're like wind up soldiers, you know, and they're just like, yes, sir, right away, sir. It feels like right because yeah, no, absolutely, and, and you know the, the, they always say, and this is such a great line, which is you can't argue with someone who truly believes their religion is real because like, they're going to believe me over God. No, of course not. So, so you got those people uh, that are true believers. Uh, and they can be good people. And in my opinion, they can be very bad people. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to blanket everybody and I hate everybody that's religious. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just, uh, I'm going to get thrown off of crier and I'm not even a crier guy. <laughs> no, you're not. I'll catch you if you get thrown off. Okay. Right. Um, let's go back to sports. Cause you, you, uh, you, you said something, uh, you tweeted something today. So <laughs> I don't know. You, you're going to have to explain the context to me, but, um, I, for those listening, um, Spence, Spenny tweets, oh. stress eating for the first period intermission, not good. Now, he has a picture of a snack there. Before I tell everyone what the snack is, when I stress eat, Spenny, mm -hmm. I will grab a tub of chocolate ice cream and, okay. a, and, and a jar of peanut butter, and I won't stop till my tum-tum hurts, right? <laughs> and here we are, and you're like, stress eating for the first period intermission, not good. And it's a kid-sized bag of goldfish crackers. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. I'd like to respond to this first <laughs> because, because I was in bed and I was like, you know, laptop like on on my tummy, and 
and my feet were like, I was kicking my feet laughing at your snack pack of goldfish crackers. Okay. As well, the snack it. pack comes ultimately from Costco, right? which we get for the kids because they love them. That's right. Uh, so I ate a bunch of those bags. So I didn't, I didn't show all of them. Uh, we can get into food because I have such problems with fucking food. But anyways, uh, yeah, I was emotionally eating. I don't, I'm not an ice cream guy. I'm not a sugar guy. I'm a salt guy, uh, yeah. which is why my face is always so puffy. But um, uh, yeah, well, fish are, are worse than heroin as far as I'm concerned and cigarettes. Yeah, you like them, eh? Like, I, I get tired of that artificial cheese flavor after a couple of them. Well, this one, that particular one uh, was uh, extra zesty or blast or something, if you look it up. Blast. And that was too cheesy for me, frankly. But, yeah. uh, and I was. I was like, uh, the thing with being a Leaf fan, okay, and this is the only way I can cope within the reality. And I grew up near Maple Leaf Gardens. I've been a Leaf fan my whole life is that every time they lose, I say to myself, it's going to be that much greater when they win. So that's, I'm living on a dream of a hope that before I leave this earth, I will be vindicated in my belief that it can happen. I'm not going to say it will happen, but it can happen. And that's kind of cool. Didn't the Cubs win the World Series eventually? Yes. And so did the Red uh, Sox, right? Well, they had someone had the Bambino curse. I remember That's the that. Red Sox. That's the Red, the Red Sox. Sox. And yeah, you remember they, what happened when they won? It was like a, a multiple orgasm. It was, really I, was I'm ready for that. And uh, if I have to wait another five to 10 years, uh, I'll have to do it. Yeah, right in the face of selfie, right? The, the multiple orgasms. Um, because sure. Boston is a crazy, crazy fucking city. Um, well, they're a sports town for sure. Uh, I haven't spent a whole lot of time there, but uh, yeah, they, they are very serious about their sports. They are. Um, I, I, I'm a Habs fan, um, and, um, but the, pan the pandemic did something to me. I, I stopped watching sports because I couldn't stand the no fans thing. I realized that sports isn't really about the teams. It's about the fans. Um, if you watch a baseball game with no fans in the stands, it's like watching batting practice. It's boring. Um, basketball, do you remember they put the fucking cardboard cutout fans? <laughs> yes. Fans? And COVID. With, with hockey too. And so I just stopped watching it and I got to work, right? I used to say um, in like 20, like last year, if someone were to come up to me with a red button, they're like, okay, James, um, COVID has killed like 7.5 million people worldwide. <laughs> um, but your career trajectory has been fucking on fire since it began. But if you press that red button, you can save 7.5 million lives, but your career trajectory goes back to 2019. I, I don't think I pushed the button. This is a uh, very <laughs> depressing <laughs> admission yeah, on your really, part, yeah, which might be a nice segue into what the fuck happened to you for the last week and a half, or uh, I don't really know. Um, I don't know. If you don't want to talk about it, I'll just tell you what happened. You, you, you tweeted something that was, I, I would say, somewhat mysterious. And it was like a big tease that something was going on. And I didn't pay all that much attention to it, but then you kind of hadn't been around. So I reached out to Dean and I go, what's going on with uh, James? And he, he was very, uh, you know, you should talk to James. I, you know, I, I could tell you didn't want to tell me much, uh, yeah. which I think is a good friend, frankly. Yeah, uh, and then uh, you reached out to me, uh, you're doing the Chomsky thing. You're looking for people that you just know and you're comfortable with. And here I am. Uh, I, I mentioned to you at the before we went on, do you want to talk about it? I didn't. You were very sort of not. Uh, you said you would, but you didn't seem to really want to. So I'm going to leave it up to you. But I know that people are watching or curious to what was going on, what's happening. And I'll leave it to you to uh, explain it if you want. I put you on the interview side of the uh, of the of this group yeah. for this segment, but um, <laughs> um, the the best way I can explain it is that um, uh, I was separated last year, but still cohabitating to the to, uh, up until last week with with my wife. So we were living together still, and it was a very hard year. Um, I'll spare you the details of my relationship and what it's like with my wife. If you're a regular viewer, you probably already know that we are not. Um, we do not, we're not compatible. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, uh, and I guess uh, I was going through grief um, and the grief wasn't about my wife. <clears throat> it was about the prospect of not living with my children. 
I, I was not um, handling the idea of that well. And, um, and so self, I was self-medicating with my prescription. So, um, you know. Can I ask what your prescriptions are? Adderall, just one. Ad oh, Adderall. Okay. Yeah. So it's an amphetamine, right? And, yes. uh, and so the, um, what I would do is I'd get my prescription uh, and I would finish a month's prescription in like nine or 10 days. And then I would be um, without any prescription for the final 20 days of, of the month. And then I would just repeat, right? And um, what it did was it made me, um, it made me very anxious and, and prone to panic attacks, but I just kept doing it, you know? And then uh, I guess uh, what would it be like eight days ago, nine days ago, I, uh, I went to the doc, I had my prescription. I had like a few days left or like a, maybe a week left or something. And I went to the drugstore and I, and I asked them um, to lower my prescription and they did, but they ended up giving me a prescription on top of the one I already had. So now I had a lot. I had all the Adderall. Wait a sec. When you say lower it, you mean lower the dosage or? Yeah, I wanted them to lower the dosage. And, okay. uh, and that, was my, that was my baby step of trying to get out of the trouble that I had put myself in with the way I was abusing it. Okay. And, uh, and then, um, so I ended up taking like, uh, like my prescription was for, it was lowered to 30 milligrams a day. And basically over a period of three days, I ate 3,000 milligrams of, uh, of Adderall, which is a lot more. You than idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, so I, uh, can I ask you just before you continue, I, I want to know what the drug does to you. I mean, different drugs affect us in different ways. Like what do you speed. think? It's speed for you. For no me, sleep. It was record. It, it, the, since the, honestly, like if I was being honest with myself, since the first time I took it, I was like, this is a recreational drug. This does not okay. feel like medicine. <laughs> You know, like I felt like just, you know, oh, wow. that, that, that's how it made me feel. And, um, and, and I knew it the whole time. And I kind of felt like, A, I'm getting away with something. B, it's a prescription drug. Not my fault. They gave it to me, you know, like, it was <laughs> right. like you know, doctor's and orders. And because I don't drink anymore and because I don't do other hard drugs anymore, um, I'll do shrooms once in a while and, and weed. Um, you know, I was like, Oh, I, so I can, cause I'm an uppers guy. There's no doubt about it. I was a cocaine guy. I was an ecstasy guy. That's what I did. Right. And, and so now I felt like I had this permission uh, to, yeah. to use this drug that made me feel like I was on speed. And so I, I abused it. And so when I did all that, um, I didn't sleep for three or four days and uh, I slipped into a state of psychosis and I didn't, uh, let's put it this way. I was home alone for the weekend and I called the cops three times to get imaginary people out of my house. Yeah. Wow. So that was, um, and here's the weird thing. It's, I'm not even embarrassed by it. <laughs> like I'm just, no, well, like, Hey, you know yeah. what? Uh, nothing bad could come from telling the truth. I really believe that. And I mean that across the board, almost completely. Uh, so I, I respect uh, your honesty here, but go ahead. No, I, I, I don't know how else to be like one thing that I learned since I stopped drinking, especially is that if the truth is going to kill me, then fucking kill me with the truth. Because, uh, you know, if I've told a white lie here and there, it was a meaningless one because my my problem is not truth telling. It's disclosing too much often. Right. Like like mm -hmm. sometimes people are like um, maybe maybe cool it with the truth sometimes, you know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was weird when you you were doing mushrooms and you wanted to do the podcast while you were on mushrooms. To me, that was pretty out there. But it worked. I did it on acid on television, but I didn't know. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it worked. I, I thought it worked, except for the time that the Our Lady Peace guy was on. But I'm not really a big ring fan. I don't know. See, I, I'm I'm just I'm the uh, my uh, love of 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 getting high is the totally opposite. Of, of yours i like down no oh, okay so the worst thing that can happen to me is i fall asleep yeah. you know which and i love sleeping so that's not too bad but uh wow so can you tell me about or do you want to tell me about uh so what happened you went well, i guess I, keep I, going so i so uh, the the third time that i called the cops now i knew these guys by names now right like they, they had been there before Right. And, uh, and so i i and i was telling my friend today so i had barricaded the furnace room because I thought I had trapped someone that in there uh, who was hired by my wife to run surveillance on me to prove I was an unfit father. That was the narrative, right? That was the psychosis narrative. And, wow. 
and so I barricade and I would not only did I barricade him, but I, I, w- I was triumphantly sitting on my porch with my door open. And every time I thought I heard him whisper, do you remember this? Did you watch the Sopranos? Of course. Do you remember when um, uh, the April kid, the one that meadow dated that yeah. um, uh, w- went to the restaurant to meet Tony and he had the shades on and Tony's like, lose the glasses. Right. Right. And then he's like, um, I don't have a fucking piece of cutlery. And then to get his attention, he's, he tapped his fork really hard on the plate. Right. He wants him to go to university and not be right. Right. That's right. So every time I, my psychosis was telling me that the guy trapped in my furnace room was communicating with the outside world to try to get out. I would, I took an aluminum baseball bat and just went on the floor going, shut the fuck up. To nobody. So, did you, as this is all unplaying, were you having moments of clarity going, oh, fuck, I'm crazy? Uh, or or was it you really believe for a long period of time that people were coming into your house or whatever it was that you were? Um, yeah, I, I, I was convinced. Wow. Uh, I, I, like, there was no, the, the only, and it's so stupid, the only moment of clarity I had, I unbarricaded the furnace room door. I literally, like, opened the door and looked in and didn't see anyone but then i thought i heard my, the vo- the voice of my wife who for some reason i could hear even though she wasn't there saying to to the guy in the closet don't worry there's a second room he won't find you so despite the fact that i confirmed with visually that he wasn't there i still called the cops and said he was in there okay and so I, I, I said to the cop did you check the second room and he's like what second room i'm like fuck oh wow um, so, okay, so what did the police do after the third call or whatever? Um, they told me that they were going to, they're like, listen, you can come willingly or you no, cannot come. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because oh, t- it, it is kind of funny. I, I, I got to plug in. My laptop's about to run out of battery. Hold on one second. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I if I'm laughing, it's because I'm finding funny and madness. Uh but the fact that he's being so forthright and honest is just incredible. I'm stupid. I am stupid. Okay. I've done that like four times now on every podcast that I've been on. I just forget to plug the, the laptop in. But anyways, um, yeah. So they, t- they said you can come willingly or you can not come willingly. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll come willingly. <laughs> right. <clears throat> well, there's a rational mind. decision right there, right? Well, it's a different. Well, then you know, then the the crisis uh, counselor came with the cops because now this is the third time, um, and she and she talked to me. She was we were on the porch, and she's like, she's like, James, do you do you know what's happening? And I'm like, obviously not, <laughs> right? Like, I don't think so. And she's like, you know, um, I think we, you need to come to grips with the fact that you've constructed an entire world on top of whatever it is that started all this, and uh, and. You know, and and well, by the time I got into the cop car, I realized that yeah, I had, and then I spent six days in a mental hospital, um, which isn't as bad as it sounds. Um, <clears throat> it's like it's kind of like half a hotel, half spa, except the other guests are a little weird sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you meet a very large indigenous man who liked juicy fruit gum? Oh my god, I can't believe you just said that. I met so the 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 two people that I talked with the most because there was a lawyer there, there was like a nuclear physicist there, there was a teacher there, there was a social worker there. They were all people like me that had to go there in a crisis situation. And the nuclear physicist roommate was a, a native, big giant native man who was a um, a, a whittler. Is that what they're called? Yeah, whittler. Yeah, and they wouldn't give him his little whittle knife. Um. So he um, he took all of our bars of soap. And so when I w- when I took a shower, I would be showering with like soap carved into a carved like to look like a lion, right? That's so good. Yeah, but he didn't talk. He was like a mute. So so that I love that you <laughs> described it as a hospital spa, which I I'm probably quite accurate actually. Well, they I've get, never you don't I've have to line that. up. For- you don't what? line up for food. You know, you don't line up for they they bring they like it's like room service. And they're and they're literally like, um, where would you like this, James? I'm like, at my desk, please. <laughs> <laughs> was uh was it where was it? Where uh, do you mind Pembroke. saying? Was it what? Pembroke. Pembroke, okay. Yeah. Was so, it the old Clark Institute? Remember that? 
Yeah, no, um, the Clark Institute. It's not like DeVry. Yeah, I don't know. But my dad had a friend who was a dr druggy alcoholic and he would go into the Clark and he used to tell me about a friend of his they called the broccoli because he'd been given, uh, what do they call them, uh, shock treatments and oh, his hair went frizzy, so they call him the broccoli. Anyway. Yeah, no, there was, a, there, was, there was a couple of people that fit the caricature of what it's yeah. to be a mental patient, but most of us were professionals. Uh, no, for or, sure. Or at least I say professional. I'm a, and as I joked on the Eager Beaver podcast, I'm a fucking podcaster. But, you know, these guys were like nuclear physicists, lawyers and teachers and stuff. But like, um, no, it was it was, it was eye opening. And obviously I had to come down off of my million pills. And what was um, that like? there was no physical withdrawal. And I was worried about that. I was I was like and then I asked the doctor, I'm like, why? Why do I not feel like I need to fucking eat Adderall right now? Yeah. And he's like, well, they're not, it's not, um, it's a prescription drug, not like Oxycontin. Like right, they, they, they developed it for the specific purpose of not having physical addictive properties, but a lot of people become mentally addicted to it. So, okay. um, so, and I was, uh, I felt like I did when I stopped drinking. Um, when I stopped drinking in 2019 at Christmas, um, I was grossed out with myself. I drank all the wine and I was like, and I woke up the next morning dry all my esophagus was dry. Everything was nasty. I had a headache from hell. And um, I was like, I oh, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. And now the, t the thought of vodka or wine, which were, were my two things makes me sick to my stomach. And I feel that way about Adderall right now. Like I, I just, if there was a pill here, I would flush it. I would absolutely flush it. So, okay. So initially you were prescribed the Adderall, right? Correct. So, uh, are you going to live with whatever it is that the, uh, uh, that the Adderall doesn't fix in order to keep your sanity? Or are you going to go back on it with the no, normal amount? I'm not going to go back on it. I, I don't trust Good. myself um, <clears throat> to, to be on it. And also, uh, I think uh, because I was uh, taking all of it um, for the first nine, 10 days <clears throat> and then living without it for 20, those 20 days were, <clears throat> excuse me, those 20 days were amazing. That's when I booked all my big guests. That's when I had all my best shows. That's when I wrote the best. And, 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 I, and I had the realization every single time my prescription date was coming up, I was literally counting them down in my head. But I would have moments where I'm like, I'm I'm count right now I'm counting down when my work is going to suffer and when my family life is going to suffer. That's what I'm getting. Because of not taking Adderall? Because I was looking forward to taking it again. So, so what, oh, but what, 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 what's going to, so now you're not taking it. You don't want to take it anymore. What's going to happen to you that is detrimental to anything? Um, well, uh, like, why did you take it to begin with? I guess is the question. ADHD. ADHD. But you know what? I've never been sold that ADHD is like a, a problem, but more of a, a personality trait or, something, or a personality type. You know, um, so I'm not even sure how to even like navigate that at all anymore. But, you know, uh, caffeine um, and exercise, maybe, you know, like just trying to figure it out and ongoing counseling. That's my plan right now. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's going to exercise work. is fantastic. Yeah. I want to know what it's like to have an endorphin high. <laughs> you know uh, I mean? That's bullshit. Uh, my favorite was uh, who was the guy uh, at Howard Stern? He tried to kill himself. Artie. Artie. He's got no nose now, right? Yeah. Well, did you ever hear a story when, so he, he was a heroin addict and he ended up in rehab and uh, a guy came up to him and he said, you know, you, you got to jog, you know, you get that endorphin rush and it's natural. <laughs> and he said he, he jogged, uh, you know, 10 minutes and he called the guy up, but this is nothing like heroin. <laughs> right. Yeah, all he had was shin splints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So now I think you got to run really far and work out really hard to get that. To me, it's not a, a, a high. It's just the relaxation, which yeah. is you know down to earth and you know like I today I went for an hour long walk with my dog, one of my dogs, and you know it just relaxes me. You know, and and I, I always fall into a pattern where I don't exercise and I'm a couch potato and playing music. And uh, it really makes a difference. The, the, the hard part is to continually do it without stopping. And Well, I got to quit smoking again, too. Um, the, uh, the, the, it's so funny because I didn't have a cigarette the whole time I was in there. I was on the patch. And I was like, this is great. And then um, a couple of buddies of mine came by uh, the day I got out. 
and uh and gave me like a care package of all these prepared meals and shit like i felt like i just had a baby like that they brought back the, that kind of care package and uh and then the other bag and here you go buddy and it was a bag full of fucking cigarettes, of cigarettes and red bull and i was like fuck it so so yeah. I, i'm I, an ex-smoker it, it's such a wonderful and horrible thing simultaneously it's it's very hard to stop but uh i, I not that you're asking but what helped me stop was the uh, the mints thrive. Yeah, I, I started out with the three milligram nicotine, then I went ended up at one milligram, and I couldn't. I was completely married to those. I am not stopping this, you know. And then finally, yeah. a year and a half later, I stopped the uh, one the one milligrams. And now well, I'm, I, I know you have to go pretty soon. You said an hour. Um, I, yeah. I wanted to, but let's bookend this by saying that um uh, by another I, I call it a, a Hitchensian. Uh, quote, which was that he said that um, when it comes to all of the vices, nicotine is absolutely the whore of all the of all the yeah. vices. And, and why it is just the obvious uh, that I didn't know this till I researched it is that it's the it, you get your little whatever that gets you satisfied, but it leaves your system faster than anything else. Yeah, and it also goes with everything. Oh, do a line of coke, have a smoke, have oh, sex, oh, have oh, a smoke, oh, have a drink, oh, have a smoke. I don't know if I'll ever do coke again. I, I just, there isn't a bad decision that I, I can uh, not make on, Even on that. masturbation but makes you feel guilty when you're on Coke. You know? the, the whole thing is just, uh, it's unbelievable uh, how bad that drug is to me. Yeah. I'm not, it, I'm not the, uh, it, wishing my views on anyone else, but uh, for me, it was a disaster. It's the devil. It really is. It is. Um, All right. Well, look, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm on the, am I on the guest side or the host side right now? Anyway, well, no, well, you're on the guest side. You said you had about an hour and we're over in an hour. So no, I, no, I, I know, know, I know. Yeah. So um, uh, thank you uh, for being <laughs> you and uh, coming back. And uh, I'm going to, I can't wait to watch the Chomsky thing. Uh, yeah. That's so unbelievable. Your third time talking to the guy. Third time. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, you seem you seem totally great. If you if we didn't discuss it, I wouldn't have known that you had that whole misadventure or whatever you want to call it or adventure. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of both, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Like um, everything. No, I, I appreciate that, and thank you for uh, for asking Dean how I was. That 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 kind of stuff is is what life is about, and uh, I appreciate you coming today, Spenny. Thank you very much. All right, all right, buddy. Have a good one. All right, and. Sp Benny, as usual, checks back in as soon as uh, he checks back out. Um, that was awesome. I really enjoyed. Uh, I always enjoy talking to Spenny because, um, you know, he's probably one of the realest guests that uh, that you can have on a show like mine. Um, I didn't expect us to be talking about religion for half the time, but I'm glad that we did. Even though I said at the uh, outset that maybe uh, Cryer doesn't want me talking about religion, but I think uh, we did it in a way that was uh, professional and uh, and interesting. Hopefully, you guys found it interesting as well. Don't forget if you are a, oh, oh tomorrow I have Casual Friday. I think uh, do I have a Casual Friday thing? Oh no, this is uh, I just want to thank DaCosta for the uh, <laughs> for the for the image. That must be a Spenny photo from like. 1999 or something that looks very old it looks like he can't even grow uh, a mustache in that picture and i have a cat on my head i'm not sure is that is that that may be an eager beaver reference because uh i think uh uh paul atkinson said that um when i said that this was my 18th chance he's like you're like two cats in a trench coat and i was like that's not my tail get your hands off that so there's a kitty cat on my head and look at that Oh, fuck, I need another cat. My cat got eaten by a coyote, I think, like a year and a half ago. So I, I, I want another cat. Um, but uh, if you guys are around on Saturday at 6 p.m., that's Noam Chomsky. Um, when it, it's Earth Day, and we were talking exclusively about the environment. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I have spent already, since I've been back, like probably 15 hours preparing, um, just listening to him talk. It's 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 intimidating to talk to Noam Chomsky. That's why I said earlier that I'm not going to be um, going back and forth and challenging his many points. I am just going to be asking him questions. He will comment, and I will move on to the next question. That's the it's really the smart way to do it when you're not an academic like me. Um, but I hope you guys join me for that. Uh, thank you, everybody in the chat. Hit that like button if you don't mind, and share, and... Um, put a, a, a an emoji of a taco and a glass of wine if you feel like it i don't still don't know what that means but it seems to mean something to people in chat 
and we will see you next time on Black Ball. Thank you, everybody. Black Ball. Black, black, black Ball. Black, 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 It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.